Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so from. Uh, got a really great show for you. I am solo. Eric is partying out with his family. Good for him. So uh, I'm flying solo, so I needed some help, and I got some great help today. Uh, you're going to hear through uh, hear from a bunch of different guests. Of course, uh, you're going to hear from Justin Bean, uh, which is actually holding on right now, so we're going to get him on in just a second. You're going to hear from Jason Shelley, uh, newly minted quarterback at Utah State, transferred from Utah University, and then BJ Reigns, uh, who of the Idaho Press, will talk some Boise State situation. Mount West Conference football is uh, rumored to have a schedule put in place. We'll get into that in a little bit uh, later in the hour. Utah Jazz get a big win over the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll get into the stats, the numbers, and how that looked in all sorts. But first, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it's my privilege and pleasure to welcome on the masked phenom. It is Justin Bean here on the Full Court Press. Justin, my man, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great, AJ. Appreciate the nickname. That's that's kind of gross. Do you like that? The ma- I mean, just because when you had the mask on, it became this like phenom of sorts. It was Justin Bean was already a fan favorite, yeah. but then you put the mask on, and it was a totally different Justin Bean. You know, it's funny because after uh, after I broke my nose, um, I honestly just was not looking forward to looking goofy as ever, and. <laughs> I felt like I, uh, it wasn't going to be good, a good situation, but you know what? I made the most of it, and the fans definitely made the most of it, so I was <laughs> grateful for that. So hey, before I, I'm we back get in it for a little bit, so. yeah, I was going to say before we get into uh, the nit and gritty of of what practice has been like in in the season and such. But did you? Okay, you broke your nose yeah. twice, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been made public, but uh, oh, I did oops. break my nose again about a month ago. So, uh, oh, you wait, 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 time out. I didn't know it was that recent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So technically this might be the third. I kind of lose track, honestly, because it's, it's been a lot, but, uh, yeah, I just, I broke it a month ago. Um, just when we were playing pickup, just got a, got a bow to the face again. I'm not sure if I'm going to have to start wearing hockey masks now, maybe an upgrade (laughs) will will be good, but, uh, so yeah, back in the mask. Just for the time being, though, I think it'll be good once once school starts. I'll I won't have to wear it. Okay, so. we better get away from the injury talk because if Coach Smith is listening, he is absolutely livid with me. So I'm going to just jump away from that <laughs> subject right now. Uh, Justin, you have just became, and you really—I use the word phenom, but really, what you've done—you redshirted in the 17-18 season. Uh, Coach sees you and sees your skills and utilizes you. Coach Smith does in 18-19. Uh, immediately you start producing very quickly. In, 19, in 2019-20 season, you were awesome. You were named the MVP of the Jamaica Classic. You were third-team All-Mountain West. You were the Mountain West All-Defensive Team member. Uh, your numbers shot up in physical percentage, in rebounds, in assists, and steals per game. What was the biggest credit that you would give to in the regards of your numbers and the weird production on the court from the first year to the second year? Oh, man. Well, obviously, there's there's a lot that went into it to having such a great year for myself and as a team. But I think ultimately it was just that summer. Um, our coaches are huge into player development. That was one of the first things they told me when I when I got here and when when they you know were were the new staff. And so um, they just said we're going to be really big in player development. We're going to have uh, a good summer and just make sure that we're all on the same page, getting better. Um, and so that was huge for me. Just that summer, just building building myself as a player, um, earning their, their trust and their confidence uh, from coaches to teammates. So ultimately when I knew that they, they believed in me, I, I believed in myself. I've always believed in myself. And so this last year it was easy for me to kind of just be able to gel with everybody and 
and do my role and play my part and put up some points and, and make plays. So it was a great, great year for sure. Uh, what has practice been like so far? It's been great. Everyone's uh, obviously super excited to get back. Um, we've had, you know, a couple team workouts uh, so far. And um, while everyone's kind of adjusting to to life with COVID-19, I think everyone's still just as hungry as ever. Um, so the motivation for another Mountain West Championship will is still, you know, the goal. So that's still what everyone's looking forward to. And, and um, our, our attitudes have been great this last week. And um, it's kind of weird, though. You know, coaches are wearing masks and going through protocols just like we are, but everyone's just taking it one step at a time. What was the first time that you realized how good uh, this team was, I guess, in, from last year's season with Sam Merrill. I mean, to, to win a Mount West Commerce Championship is hard enough. To do it back-to-back years in the tournament is nearly impossible. Was there ever a time that you felt like, you know what, we are the best team in the Mount West Conference, uh, bar none? I mean, or when, and when did that thought occur? Well, um, I would have to say the first, the very first time under Coach Smith that I thought that was probably after we beat St. Mary's um, in Las Vegas at the MGM tournament. So that was a, a, probably our first big statement win. And I thought we all were just playing really good basketball. And then for this last, I think, uh, was a new new team, some new guys stepping into new roles. Um, but the core was still there. And so I think LSU, that win against LSU was really what helped us to, you know, believe in ourselves going forward, even with a little rough patch at the start of conference. I think during the Jamaica run that we had, I think that really helped everyone just know how good we could be, um, even without Nimi, you know, that, that first stretch there. So... Once all the pieces were put together, it was it was just a fun ride, man. We were playing playing great. How much? What has Sam Merrill done for you and your game, uh, and him as a teammate for you? He's done a lot. Um, overall, he's just been a great leader on the court for everybody. Just telling people where they need to be. Um, he knows he knows the flow of the game so well. Um, he really controls, you know, a lot of a lot of the tempo and a lot of a lot of the game, quite frankly, for our guys and for me personally. So just watching him, having learned from him years, um, there's definitely things this upcoming year and things this summer that I've already tried to kind of emulate from his game, just being a leader and how he handles himself in practice and um, just goes hard at every rep. So That kind of leads me to my next question. Now you are one of those leaders. You, Namiyash Keta, uh, Sean Berstow is now kind of an up-and-comer. What can you do? as a leader of the team now with so many young guys and so many new kids on this squad? I think uh, we just can't, can't take any shortcuts. Um, I think what, the younger you are, um, the more you kind of tend to maybe, I don't know, you're new to the program. They don't, maybe you don't have as much expected from you, not as big expectations. So I think moving forward, there's got to be, you know, a level of accountability for the whole team, but certainly for those leaders, you know, that you mentioned, the guys that are coming back that have been through this whole ride before and, and know what to expect. So we have to be that, um, you know, that leader and, and that example for those guys coming in and also just for each other, just to make sure that we're setting the tone for practice and, and lifts and just everything that company's at. Who are you most excited to see come out into the court out of the young guys? Oh, man. Ah, oh, 
that's a tough one because I've played with all of them and I'm excited about each one of them. Um, I will say uh, Stephen Ashworth is he's my new roommate this upcoming year, so I'm I'm really pumped to uh, be able to play with him and and uh, he's my roomie. So you know we we have had some good times already, but I'm looking forward to playing with him. He's he's going to be a great player for us. What was the first time you met Coach Smith? What was that experience like? Can you tell us that story? Sure. Um, <laughs> let's see. The first time, the very first time I met him was when we had a team meeting um, a couple years ago. He came in and, you know, he, he striked me. It really impressed me what he did because he didn't come in there and just lay down the hammer. You know, he just he came in there and was just kind of joking with us and I can't remember specifically what he was joking about but he just you know he was just himself he was um super friendly just super kind to everybody but he also just said you know we're here to work and that's probably the the biggest thing that I've um appreciated from him is just that it's kind of a no-nonsense attitude like he expects everything from you he expects you to give it your all but he does everything in his power to help you get there you know and so for me personally he's helped me become a better player, and um, as a team, I mean, it all starts with him. So the energy is always high with him, but not a lot of people get to see, you know, the the side of him that, that jokes around and is pretty mellow and, and, you know, just that kind of. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been great knowing him. Uh, with, with Sam now being gone, obviously, when you guys were in your offense or scoring drafts, especially in the Mountain West Tournament, it was Sam Merrill to turn it on and get it going. Without Sam now, is there a guy you have on this squad that can do what he was able to do on the scoring end of things? Well, the great thing about Sam is, like you said, I mean, he's he's a really unselfish player, but when we need him to get a bucket, he can do so, you know, at will, it seems. And so the great thing about this team this year, I think, is that, you know, we have a lot of guys that have had great summers, and it's shown so far in the last few weeks of workouts. Um, so I think anyone can be able to turn it on. You know, everyone's confident in themselves, and ultimately we're confident in each other. And so whoever that guy needs to be, I'm confident that there are multiple guys that can step up and, and knock down shots. And um, I'm really excited just for the Aggie fans to see kind of different sides of, of players, and, and myself included, just to see how our games have developed. We don't know if we'll have an Aggie madness, but if we do and there's a dunk contest involved, who's your winner? I'm never going to bet against uh, anyone but myself, so I would have to say me. But uh, Sean Bearstow obviously is a front runner, I'd imagine. But uh, I'm looking for some revenge. So we both got a title under our belt. So if, <laughs> if we get to do that, then uh, I'd like to. So what's the uh, what's the intro song going to be from you this year? I mean, last year's I believe I can fly. What's it going to be this year? It's funny because I actually sang that song when I was about eight or nine years old. My family did like a little demo CD. We, we made a CD, and uh, I have the tape. I don't know if I'm ready to reveal that yet. I don't know if people are ready for that. But uh, it's, uh, that's where I got that inspiration from, from that song. So, you know, I'm going to have to dig deep, do some soul searching, and uh, hopefully finish the dunk afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking for some good ones. If you have any suggestions shoot them my way. Man. Oh, I've, I've got a ton of them. Like Taylor Swift version <laughs> songs I'd love to hear from you. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, uh... Oh, really? I'm not joking. <laughs> hey, what, uh... I, correct me if I'm wrong, but your dad was a pretty successful basketball player as well, if I'm not mistaken. 
What has yeah. his presence yeah. been like and his is his father I I guess the father mentorship part and his support been like for you? Oh man. Well it's been huge. Um honestly he's he's the one that really got all my siblings playing basketball and um at the end of the day just just the the leadership that he's had in, in my life and just the influence that he's had just beyond basketball has really helped me to be successful just in my basketball career, um, if that makes sense. And so, but yeah, he, he always told me, you know, whenever you sign up for this, it's a big deal. You know, it's a lot of commitment. So he helped me just be aware of the, um, the time that it takes to play college basketball um, in schooling and everything, just what it's going to take. And then, once I decided to do it, he and my, my mom, obviously, have, have both just been super supportive and have always believed in me um, when not a lot of other people did. So I'll always be grateful to them and super happy that they're in my corner. So. You, your dad in his prime versus you in your prime, who wins one-on-one? <laughs> uh, you have to ask him that. I think he'd probably say myself. I, I'd have to agree. Although I didn't have, a, I don't have the short shorts, so I, there might be some some special uh, abilities with the short shorts of, of the Bengals. I don't say Bengals, but <laughs> hey, I Justin, don't know. I'd probably have to say me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys expect to have a season this year? What are you guys hearing about that, and, and where do things stand? I think the biggest thing we've all heard is that things change every day, and it's true. I bet the coaches have probably been asked a thousand times from us what's going on, and um, not a lot of answers yet that have been revealed, but you know, we're hoping that you know, this, this winter that we're going to get some fans in those, in those seats. And I know we'd all like it that way, but um, again, it's whatever's best for the safety of, of our players, fans, coaches around the country. So um, we honestly aren't too sure what's going to happen, but we are excited to um, get our whole team back, you know, and before school and just try and, and uh, make some noise. With uh, COVID-19 interrupting abruptly the NCAA tournament, is there a sense of unfinished business for you guys that return? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Um, again, you know, our goal this year, we've we've already uh, talked about it amongst, amongst the guys, the teammates, and, you know, we're hoping to not just win a Mountain West championship, but, but go to Indianapolis and make some noise in the Final Four. You know, if COVID allows that to happen, then, then that's the goal. So, that's what's always been really impressive to me about this team is just the goals that we set, you know, for each other. So we, we dream big. We, we um, have big goals and aspirations, and I think that definitely affects our day-to-day um, attitudes and practice and just how we live our lives. So we're pumped for whatever's coming. Justin, you and Amish Keta are assumed as one of the top tandems in the uh, front court in regards to power forward and centered in the entire country. What has it been like to play alongside Namish Keta? I love playing with Namish, and I'm I'm really glad that he was able to to be healthy and and play with us and help us, you know, propel us to that Mountain West Championship run. And when he said that he was coming back, you know, I I felt like a little a little kid on Christmas morning. Man, it was uh, it was great news and. Um, we've just been really close ever since he got here and we just have a, a certain respect, just a mutual respect for each other's games that is pretty rare, I think, among among teammates and um that just stems from just the type of person he is, not just player, but just the selfless, um, hard working I mean that guy that dude was in the gym just working on his, his rehab, trying to get back 
and just seeing him finish it, it it's uh it's truly awesome so me and him are are great friends great brothers and i'm just happy to to be by his side so Justin, final question for you. Uh, Aggie Nation is listening to you, and they're, they're excited to see you return back to the court. What's your message to them as we try to get through these uncertain times and hope to have basketball here soon? Man, that's a great question. Um, my message to them is, uh, you know what? Get ready, get ready for a, for a three-peat because that's the, that's the goal, man. So we're going to do everything we can in our power to, to make that happen. And, um you're just going to see just hard work and, and passion and and grit from every guy on the floor, so from player to coach. So hopefully we get the Aggie fans, Aggie Nation in the stands, and if not, if it's from their living rooms, then, then we'll feel their presence either way. Hey, by the way, is that going to include, like, uh, on the court, a play set up for you for more three-pointers? I feel like more three-pointers from Justin Bean yep. is a great play call. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, I'm going to let him fly, man. I've been, I had a great summer, so the shot's feeling great. Hey, Justin, thanks so much for your time. Greatly appreciate yeah. you. Stay healthy. We'll see you on the court soon. All right. Appreciate it, Ajay. Good right. talking with you, man. All right, but you too. That's Justin B. He's the mass phenom. Power forward at Utah State. Boy, is he came alive or what? After the first year he sat in Tim Dury's last year. Coach Smith sees something in the kid. This is the and like we talk about how great Justin Bean has been and is, but Coach Smith seeing it in practice, seeing the identity and the skills that he has, and him and both Abel Porter, and then turning that into quality starters, quality starters from these two is is just awesome. And a lot of credit needs to be given to the coaching staff as well, not just Coach Smith but Coach Petey. Uh, uh, Coach Hansen, so on and so forth. Those guys deserve a lot of credit uh, to see what Bean could contribute to this team. I, I still remember, and I've told this story before, I'll tell it one more time, but I remember in the NCAA tournament, Washington, Utah State, and uh, Justin Bean checks in, and uh, one, I think it was one of their bigger men, he, he looks over, and he starts laughing, and just chuckles a little bit as Bean's walking onto the court thinking, who is this guy? Well, in the very first play on a box out, the guy comes in from, uh, I think, the right baseline, and Bean just puts a check into him. And the guy goes from the right block to about two feet out of bounds. Bean gets the rebound, puts a layup back in for an offensive putback, and the guy turns around and goes, okay, all right, let's play. And he actually gave credit about uh, Justin Bean after, talking about how physical he was, that he surprised uh, the, the Washington big men. And uh, I, I couldn't agree with that enough. Uh, but uh, again, a big thanks to Justin Bean. Greatly appreciate him. Uh, big thanks to Kyle Cottom as well. Uh, I think Kyle does a wonderful job, and uh, big, big thanks to him. He's been quite, <laughs> as all those SIDs at Utah State, the whole entire athletics department has been swamp busy right now. I'm grateful for them taking just a couple minutes to set up that interview. Uh, Aggie Nation loves Justin Bean like no other. He is, him and Nimi Ketter are neck and neck right now as fan favorites without a doubt. So big thanks to those guys. Let's take a break. Coming back, Utah Jazz beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies. Let's talk about the game. Ugly game to an extent. Bad bench play continues. One good thing came out of this win. We'll talk about that here coming up next on the Full Court Press. It's 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back, everybody, to the Full Court Press. We are so grateful for Justin Bean uh, joining us here 
Great stuff. Really, really good stuff from Justin Bean. Uh, big thanks to Kyle Cottom as well, setting that up for us. Uh, the Utah State Batman's Basketball SID does a tremendous job in, in, in notes and in preparation, helping us look really, really good and sound really, really good and to know what we're talking about. So uh, big thanks to Utah State and uh, the men's basketball team uh, and for Coach smith Lowe and Justin Bean to be on with us. Jason Shelley will be on at 5 o'clock. Can't wait to talk to the new transfer from Utah University, the quarterback. Most likely your starting quarterback, if I'd be guessing. Uh, we're going to ask him what his experience was like to, to transfer from Utah State, the process and, so, and such, and his relationship with Coach Gary Anderson. B.J. Rain to the Mountain West Conference, or excuse me, of the Idaho Press, uh, beat writer for the Boise State Broncos of the Mountain West Conference. Uh, the Mountain West Conference, there is rumors of what their schedule is going to look like. Uh, it, pretty interesting, and it gives some open... Uh, I guess some open leeway for teams to uh, schedule at a conference. More specifically, BYU might be saved big time in this situation. So, again, uh, Jason Shelley at 5 p.m., uh, BJ Reigns at 5.30. What a fun show this has been so far, and it's only 4.25. Let's go ahead and talk some Utah Jazz basketball uh, who get a big saucy win. Uh, well, I guess not big saucy win. I mean, it was it was kind of ugly, to be honest with you, but they get a win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis has just had it really rough in the last, I don't know, 24 hours. First, they lose their guard. Uh, I don't remember his name, but they lose a guard over Torin Meniscus, and then all of a sudden, uh, they have to turn around and play the Utah Jazz. 124-115 is your final score uh, for the Utah Jazz Led in double figures by four different players. Ingles had 25. Mike Conley had 23. Rui Gobert had 21. And Royce O'Neal had 15. Excuse me. So five because Donovan Mitchell had 18. Uh, Ingles was great. 6-11 from uh, deep. He was 7-13 from the field. He had four rebounds and only two turnovers, which is his bubble low, if you will. Uh, Mike Conley in 34 minutes was 6-13 from the field. He was 4-9 from deep. 7-7 seven seven from the charity stripe. Again, he had 23 points. Rudy Gobert, just an absolute beast with 21 points, 16 rebounds. He also had two steals, one assist, and three blocks. He was 5-9 from the field. Of course, he didn't take a three, but he was 11-12 from the free throw line. And Royce O'Neal in uh, 35 minutes, 4-8, of 3-7, and 4-4 four four for 15 points. He was a plus 16 with seven rebounds and three assists, one steal, one block. That is just sexy. Uh, George Nian continues to suck at the game of basketball like nobody else can. In 17 minutes, he was 1 of 5 from the field, 1 of 5 from deep for 3 points. He was an even on the plus minus. Good for you. Tony Bradley, 11 minutes, 2 of 2 from the field, 3 rebounds, and 2 turnovers. He had 4 points. Uh, and Jordan Clarkson was not great. Not horrible, but not great. 14 points, 6 of 14 from the field. He was 1 of 4 from deep. In 23 minutes, he also had 4 boards, one assist and one steal. For the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, led by, of course, Brooks. Uh, I believe it's Darren Brooks. I'm not going to Excuse me, Dylan Brooks. Uh, he had 23 points on 8 of 10 from the free throw line, 7, eight, seven of 18 from the field, 3, no, excuse me, 1 of 5 from deep. And then, uh, let's see, John Morant had 20. Valentunas had 21. He got knocked in the head twice, too, on uh, on rebound battles. So hopefully he's all right. It looked like he was a little bit dizzy there at the end of the game. Brandon Clark finished with a measly six points, a 3-7 shooting. And uh, Anderson finished with 12 points on a 5-9 shooting over two from deep and 2-2 two two at the charity stripe. So the Jazz improved to 43-25 on the season, 2-2 two two in the bubble. Uh, their virtual home game makes them now 22-11 at home. Memphis Grizzlies are now 32-37. They have yet to win a game inside the bubble. A team that was in eighth place at one point 
is now winless in the bubble. Not great, Bob. Uh, Washington currently trails uh, Philadelphia 104-98 with about 40 seconds left in the game. Philadelphia is now without Ben Simmons, who left with a knee injury. They've, uh, there's been reports from Woj that there is no swelling and no bruising. So that is actually a good indication for the Sixers. So again, lead by 6, 104-98 over the Washington Wizards. Uh, make it 106-98 now with 13.3 seconds left. So Philadelphia is about to wrap up another win. Denver Nuggets, 125-116 over San Antonio. That's just with under a minute left in the fourth quarter. So Denver again will... Uh, mark another W in the win column. Later tonight on ESPN, it's Oklahoma City and the LA Lakers. Uh, and then at 6 p.m., it's Toronto and Orlando. And then the nightcapper on ESPN will be an absolute dud as Brooklyn Nets will face the Boston Celtics. Uh, so looking at standings as well for uh, the Western Conference, more specifically, uh, Lakers still standing alone in first, well ahead. They've already clinched number one seed for the playoffs at 51 and 15. They're six and a half ahead of the Clippers, who I, I, you know, we talked about it yesterday. I don't think the Clippers really care where they finish two, three, or four. They honestly don't give because they're going to end up, they feel like they're good enough as Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell will return before the playoffs. When they get those guys back, they feel like they have a deep enough bench and a good enough productive starting lineup that's going to help them be able to compete with any team in the Western Conference, but more specifically, the Los Angeles Lakers. Denver Nuggets right now sit in third uh, with the win, uh, again, just uh, over the Spurs here. That's about to wrap up. They are seven and a half behind the Lakers, uh, but just two and a half games above the Utah Jazz. Again, if the Denver Nuggets lose two and the Utah Jazz win out, the Utah Jazz would surpass the Nuggets and take that third spot. Uh, Houston Rockets are a half game behind the Utah Jazz. They play tomorrow. Oklahoma City Thunder is a full game back of the Utah Jazz. They're in sixth. Mavericks and Grizzlies are still in eighth. Portland uh, needs to make up ground and needs to make up ground quickly. They're currently a full game behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, San Antonio is two and a half games behind the Grizzlies. Remember, the Western Conference and RS, the playoff seating is going to be a little bit different this year. If eight and nine finish just two games back of each or two games within each other, then there's a three game playoff, if you will. That means that, for example, the Portland Trailblazers are currently ninth with played the Grizzlies, but they need to beat the Grizzlies twice to get into the playoffs. On the other hand, Memphis would only need to beat Portland once to get into the playoffs. Just keep that in mind that uh, Portland needs to beat Memphis twice in that nine eight seeded game. The Eastern Conference will have none such of that, as right now in eighth place is uh, Orlando Magic at 32 and 36. Washington Wizards are uh, seven and a half games behind the Magic. That's in ninth place. So it's a cakewalk for the Magic as they'll wind up in eighth place. Their reward is to get to play a very loaded and unconcerned of the bubble restart games, Milwaukee Bucks team. They, you know, they, they played Giannis for 16 minutes yesterday. 16. If I'm a guessing man, Giannis' minutes will be limited as the restart continues until playoff time. Because when you got the number one seed locked up, there's no reason to risk some of your guys, especially Giannis. Maybe even George Hill gets a few more minutes. They balance that a little bit. And then on the other side, with the Lakers having the number one seed, maybe they rest LeBron James. Maybe they rest Anthony Davis. No need to put your guys at risk. Uh, by the way, Patrick Beverly... Uh, for tomorrow's game against the Mavericks, will be out with the calf strain. He's day-to-day after that, but he'll be out tomorrow with the calf strain. That's a 
I wouldn't say it's a big loss for the Mavericks, or excuse me, for the Clippers, but against a team like the Mavericks with so many offensive weapons and their quick pace offense, I would say it's going to be an issue. So again, no Patrick Beverly tomorrow, uh, but uh, Lou Williams has returned and I believe is finishing or has finished his quarantine. Not sure if he'll be available tomorrow or not. Now, in regards to the bench play for the Utah Jazz, I want to talk just a little bit about this. Uh, I would say it was not pretty uh, for from a standpoint of the bench just doesn't have a score except for Jordan Clarkson. So if Jordan Clarkson isn't scoring, like they just get wiped out immediately. For example, the Jazz went on this big run. It was like 25-3. to three. And then all of a sudden, uh, they, so they, they, they trailed big, came back, I believe, from 12 down, erased the deficit, but... When you take Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell out of the game at the same time, this offense just completely goes to waste. I mean, it go it's just complete airspace from there. And that's what they can't have right now. They can't have these lulls and lapses when you're battling with a team like the Memphis Grizzlies who haven't won a game yet in the bubble. Clarkson, like I said, wasn't great but was good enough tonight. But you saw what happens when the bench comes in and is completely unproductive. You saw that against Oklahoma City, including Jordan Clarkson, who was horrendous. George Ying, who's been really, really bad. Tony Bradley just should not be playing any minutes right now. I, I'd give, I said it yesterday, and I'm dead serious, I'd give Ed Davis minutes over Tony Bradley, based on the following things. One, physicality. George Ying is terrified of physicality. Ed Davis is not. Ed Davis is a better rebounder than Tony Bradley. Even Tony Bradley in the G League, was not at great level. There were too many times where he was inconsistent. Not just in a game, but in back-to-back games. Uh, inconsistent offensively and definitely inconsistent defensively. He is an extreme liability. In fact, I'll be honest, I don't know who the bigger liability is. Tony Bradley or George, George Ying? But it's pretty dang close in my opinion. I don't like that combo going out onto the court together. Figure a way to mix it up or just bench Bradley and you let Ed Davis take some minutes and see if you're going to get anything better from from a rebounding standpoint, from a physicality standpoint. He's not going to get you 20 and 10 a night. But he's going to limit the offensive rebounds, which they couldn't do against the Lakers. They couldn't do against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And when they get to the Mavericks, it's going to be a problem for the Utah Jazz. It's going to be a major problem. For the Utah Jazz. Uh, looking at the rest of the Jazz schedule. We'll get back to the numbers here in just a sec. But looking at that schedule. Speaking of height and whatnot against opponents. San Antonio. That's on Friday, August 7th. That's at 11 a.m. Then on TNT at 1.30 on Saturday, August 8th. At is. Or, excuse me, I say at Denver. Is against Denver. So Denver will be the virtual home team, if you will. Uh, and then Monday, August 10th, Dallas. And then again, it's to recap the finale, San Antonio on Thursday, August 13th. But again, just a reminder, there is no time for that San Antonio game yet. It is a to-be-determined time. You probably won't get that time until, I would guess, after the Dallas game on Monday. Again, that's August 10th on NBA TV at 1 o'clock on this very station, 106 on FM, 1390 AM with David Locke and Ron Boone. Uh, going back to the numbers for today's game. And, and that, but that kind of leads me to my to my point that the height is going to be a problem. Okay, versus Dallas, it's going to be a problem. Versus Denver, it's going to be a problem. So they have to figure it out. How do you get more production out of your bench? Where is the problem really lying on? 
within your bench? Because it's not with the starters, though the starters did come in and gave up a nine-point lead in the snap of a finger. It was gone. The nine-point lead was. Against Memphis, you guys. Memphis. Uh, Memphis shot better than the Jazz at 47 to 45%. Uh, Three-point percentage, let's see here. Memphis was 11 to 29 for 37 Jazz were 18 of 45 for 40%. Free throw percentage, let's see, uh, 90% for the Utah Jazz, not too shabby. Uh, 72% for the Memphis Grizzlies. Jazz out-assisted the Memphis Grizzlies 25-21, out-rebounded them 46-41. Steals belonged to the Grizzlies 7-5, blocks 43 for the Jazz. Jazz had 18 turnovers in, in this afternoon's game. Memphis had 14. Jazz had 23 points off those 14. Memphis only had 15 off the 18 from the Jazz. Points in the paint. This is astonishing. 56 to 36 for the Memphis Grizzlies. Outscored by 20 points in the paint for the Memphis Grizzlies. Not good. Memphis' largest lead of the game was 13. Jazz' largest lead was 11 in this afternoon game. Again, final score 124-115. Jazz get the win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they now get ready for the San Antonio Spurs on Friday afternoon, and then, the, or I guess Friday morning, and then the uh, big one against the Denver Nuggets on Saturday afternoon. That's at 1 o'clock. All games can be heard on 106 NFM, 1390 AM. Uh, the fan. Again, uh, just updates in the other games. Uh, ben Simmons did go out with a knee injury for the 76ers. Uh, they'll do some further testing and whatnot, but there was no swelling according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Final score, Philadelphia 107-98 winners over Washington. Denver uh, in a high-scoring one versus San Antonio beats the Spurs 132-126. Games later tonight include Oklahoma City and the Lakers. That'll be on ESPN. Uh, here should be tip-off in just no matter of moments. And then Toronto, Orlando at 6 o'clock. And the night capper, of course, is Boston and Brooklyn. How about Boston so far? Boston's been really good. And I think the absence or the I, the exit of Kyrie Irving has made them better. That's crazy to say. But the exit of Kyrie Irving, the entrance of Kemba Walker is more of a team guy. Both chemistry-wise and on the court. Locker room especially. He doesn't kill the locker room. He's been a big help. But of course, Gordon Hayward getting back to Gordon Hayward. Excuse me. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Gordon Hayward getting back to Gordon Hayward is a big thing. Uh, I, I think that really has helped take a lot of pressure off of Kemba Walker. It's take a lot of pressure off the backcourt. Gordon Hayward can be the best player on the court when he wants to. And I'm not joking you. It, the Utah Jazz were so angry they lost Gordon Hayward. And when I say Utah Jazz, I not just mean the team, the fan base. Why? Because they realized his value and how good he was. And then they tried to erase that, saying, no, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. Gordon Hayward with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert on the court would have been absolutely phenomenal. Then you add Joe Ingles, who can spread the court. It would have been absolutely great. Really, really good for the Boston, or for me, for the Utah Jazz. And then, of course, he had a hand fracture. And so, uh, well, he first had that really gruesome uh, foot injury. And then he had, uh, I guess, a leg injury, if you will. And then he had that fracture in his hand. So when he's healthy... One of the best players in the Eastern Conference. But the problem for Boston Celtics is can they defend the bigs? Right? Their, for their backcourt is pretty good defensively. Uh, but trying to replace Al Horford with Daniel Thais right now, 
it's just he can't handle it's like what Tony Bradley is, right? Daniel Dice is Tony Bradley just maybe like two notches better, if that. But Daniel Daniel Thais can't handle the looks of like a Joel Embiid, a Brooke Lopez, a Marcus All, and Anthony Davis. In no way, shape, or form, including Giannis. But uh, again, I like what Boston's doing so far. I think they're going to be a contender. If they get the Sixers in the first round, expect that thing to go seven. I still like Boston. In fact, I like Boston to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if they beat the Bucks due to the lack of big productions from the bigs. But I like the fact that the backcourt can still score and score a lot. I think the backcourt for uh, Boston is better than the backcourt for Milwaukee. But in the end, it's it's Giannis. Like it's just it's the Greek freak. And I think he takes over the. I think he can take over any game. He can take over a series. Um, and with that, I, I like seeing Milwaukee go to the NBA Finals. Just based, but I think Boston gives them a, a darn good run. Uh, you know, another team that's really quickly before we go to break that's actually really impressed me surprisingly is the Houston Rockets. Now you're going to say, well, Houston's good. They got Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But it's been more than that. Even with the lack of production uh, from other wing shooters, you're seeing what you get out of James Harden and Russell Westbrook can be just enough. Just enough. Even playing small ball. Uh, they've got... They, they've got this big in there inside. Uh, Daniel House uh, has been really good for a guard. Is a backup guard. He's logging in around close to 30 minutes. Uh, he has a plus net rating of 2.7 so far. Uh, but, again, they've got a terrific start in the bubble. They've been really good. They've beaten two really good basketball teams in games that they had to come back from. And uh, they, they had, of course, the, um, the guard production from House, who had 20 points and six threes versus the Mavericks. I like Houston a lot in a numerous amount of ways. I think Houston is going to be a very dangerous team no matter who they get in that first round. And if they and if they are a five or four seed, which they could get to be, and the Lakers have got to face them in round number two, could get Harry for, L, for L.A., even though they do have the big of Anthony Davis. I still think that the small ball that Houston plays can outwork the L.A. Lakers' big men. And it can exhaust him too. So, again, good stuff here in the bubble so far. I really enjoyed the basketball. It's been playoff. Honestly, on the court, playoff basketball, of course, we missed the, the uh, playoff atmosphere style of it, right, with the fans and such. But the on-court basketball has really, really been good as of late. Devin Booker's turnaround jumper at the buzzard uh, was phenomenal. Just absolutely great against the Clippers last night. So, uh, good bubble basketball so far. We look forward to it. More of it, again, Jazz uh, have the day off tomorrow. They play Friday against the Spurs, 11 a.m. Saturday against the Nuggets in a big one, 1 o'clock p.m. Uh, and then Monday uh, to cap it off versus the Spurs. That is, there is no time, so, excuse me, Monday against the Mavericks and then Thursday against the Spurs. Uh, but that Spurs game, there's no time yet, and that probably won't be set until after the Mavericks game. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, uh, we will get you ready for Jason Shelley, and we'll uh, get you more College football news and notes, including the Mountain West Conference scheduling. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM. The fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Full Court Press. Dodge A. Salveson flying solo today. Eric is out. He'll be back tomorrow. And he'll join me back here. We'll uh, 
Got lots to talk about with Mr. Franson. So, uh, yeah, out today with family. He'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, got some great guests here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Again, Jason Shelley will open it up at 5 o'clock. The newly minted football roster member of the Utah State Aggies as a quarterback. Transfer from Utah and then BJ Rain to the Idaho Press to talk Mount West Conference football. What does the schedule look like or what could it look like? There is rumors right now being reported from, uh, and it started with Brett McMurphy. Of course, Brett's uh, in up, up in everybody's beers these days. He's as nosy as they get. Uh, but he had reported earlier today. Sorry, now i got to look for the doggone tweet. There it is. Uh, that Mount West is expected to finalize an eight-conference plus new two non-conference games. Uh, there's a meeting that's supposed to be going on right now. Decisions should be made later today, according to another source. Uh, one reason for the two non-conference games, by the way, is to allow Air Force to play its Commander-in-Chief games with Army and Navy. So that's pretty cool. They actually look at it and they say, you know what? Uh, we understand the, the necessity of this rivalry and why it means so much. So why not? Why not play it? And I love that. So for Utah State, what does that schedule look like now? Do they put SUU and BYU on the schedule? Uh, no time. I believe there isn't a timetable of when they're supposed to start. I haven't seen one yet. But I would imagine it's either going to be like this September 19th or the 26th of September is my guess. I have no clue. So that's not scripture by any means of the stretch. But I would imagine in that regard, give or take, just in that area time frame, so you get SUU on the 19th or 26th to open it, and then BYU, I'm not sure if they're going to play it October 5th or what that schedule um, will look like for the Aggies. But when we get it, when it is released, or when the announcement comes out from the Mount West Conference, we'll let you know ASAP uh, of exactly what's going on. But this is good news for the Mount West Conference. Uh, that, again, I like the 8 plus 2. It does help out BYU majorly. Huge uh, to help out BYU because they had – what, five, I believe, four four opponents. They had Boise State, San Diego State. Um, I believe Air Force was on that schedule, if I'm not mistaken. They had a bunch of teams uh, that were from the Mount West Conference, and so this could help them out to get that full, uh, at least a majority of games, because if they lose those ones, then they're in deep, deep doo-doo. So, uh, but again, eight uh, the eight conference games plus two non-conference games is, is looking like it would be an announcement for the Mountain West Conference again. There's nothing official from the Mountain West. So they're still waiting to hear. Uh, they're still waiting to hear about it. So as soon as we get a report from you, or at least from the Mountain West Conference, we will let you guys know. Do you like that? Are you okay with that? Eight, eight conference games and two non-conference games. Who would your two non-conference games be? Would you be okay playing BYU? You can text into our show, and I'm trying to do this earlier, but you can text into our show at four three five three three nine zero three two one again four three five three three nine. 0321. I'd say you could call in, but I'm the only one here, so please don't call. But you can text in 435 339 Now, the Big 12 is uh, going 9 plus 1 in their schedule. So, 9 conference games plus 1 non conference game. And for whatever reason, that gives hope to BYU. They think they can actually get a Big 12 opponent, which is just beside me. I swear, every announcement that we get from a conference, BYU is like, hey, hey, that's us, guys. We have a chance to play Alabama. We have a chance to play Missouri. Guys, we have a chance to play Oklahoma State and West Virginia and Texas A&M and Texas Tech. Like, I swear, every non-conference or excuse me, every conference announcement 
BYU is like first hand in the air, right? They're that little kid who just raises their hand in the air immediately and screams that they're that they're available, that their hands in the air. That is BYU. <laughs> it's unreal. Uh, so, and then oh yeah, by the way, the Big Ten has announced that they are going to go conference only in the Big Ten. Uh, and with that, the bigger announcement than the Big Conference or the Big Ten Conference going conference only is that the fact that Michigan-Ohio State, which is usually your end-of-the-year game, right? It's a big tradition. For the first time since 1942, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play on October 24th instead of the end of the year. So they will not be an end-of-the-year game. Ohio State gets Northwestern to finish off the year. But Michigan-Ohio State will not be your end-of-the-year game. And if there's like Big Ten championship hopes or whatever it is, then that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that all ends. Now, by the way, this is all based on the fact that they think um, that we're going to have a football season. I mean, it's still 50-50, by the way, folks. It is still fluid. It is still ever so fluid on what it's going to look like. We have no idea. Uh, by the way, Brentman Murphy's also uh, reported that the Pac-12 schools could seek $996 million in loan bailouts. Nine hundred and ninety-six million presidential flashcards in bailouts. Now, Wisconsin came out and today said that they could lose up to hundred million this year based on no fan, no revenue, and not having a football season. Uh, UConn, by the way, has announced that they will not have a football season this year. Uh, and the NCAA, who had a big board meeting today, they got together for about a couple of hours. Uh, they shared a croissant with some jam on it and decided, you know what? We have nothing to announce. Good for you, NCAA. Continue the great leadership. Let's take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour. And again, Jason Shelley at 5 o'clock, BJ Reigns at 5.30. Doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press here, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 1069thefan.com. Grateful to be having you joining us wherever you are, however you are doing so. Uh, again, 435-339-0321 if you want to text in. Love this text from uh, uh, our loyal listener, 9315. Uh, he says, I think that would, uh, I think that will be great for the USU schedule because then they don't have to change nothing. He's talking about having BYU on it. Uh, where they lost the two Washington games. For some reason, BYU is living a pipe dream because every big name that comes available, they are like, we're going to get it. That is very much true. I hope BYU fans don't eat crow when they don't get no big names, which is very much possible. Uh, ooh, has a good question for Jason Shelley. We'd like to know what he thinks the best advantage to his game in come to Utah State is. Uh, and to let him know that we are glad to have him. We are excited to have uh, Jason Shelley, part of the Utah State football team. Excited to see what he brings to the table. A lot of intrigue there of how he got here and what happened uh, in in the process of getting to Utah State and uh, what he does bring to Utah State in his relationship with Coach Gary Anderson. So Jason Shelley at 5 p.m., BJ Reigns at 5.30. It's all coming up on hour number two of the Full Court Press. Stay tuned. Yeah, not-